Handwriting is a skill that is almost going out of style. Cursive writing even seems a quaint anachronism. But does this shift from putting pen to paper to typing and even voice recognition writing have any impact on other areas of language? New research published in the journal Psychological Science could help us answer these questions. I'm Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science, and today I'm speaking with the co-authors on that paper, Robert Wiley, currently with the University of North Carolina Greensboro, and Brenda Rapp with Johns Hopkins University. Welcome to Under the Cortex. Thank you. It's nice to be here today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here with you. Let me start by asking, what inspired you to look at handwriting and what did you set out to discover? I actually previously was a a high school teacher and I taught Arabic in the public schools in Chicago. Um, And when you teach Arabic, the handwriting is a big part of how you teach it, especially in the early days of learning to read and write in Arabic. It's a very much a form of art in Arabic. And so that always was something in my mind, the importance of handwriting. More generally, I think our interest in, in written language, a lot of our interest is not about reading per se, but something that is more relatively more neglected, which is spelling or the output side, the production side of written language. It's much less studied. And so there are a lot of really important questions about the relationship between reading and writing or spelling, you know, the production side versus the sort of comprehension side. Uh, And I think that was one of the entry points into this line of research. Yeah, And for me, um, before I went to graduate school in psychology, I was a special education teacher and worked with children that had uh, difficulties in learning how to read um, and spell. And so I've long been interested in trying to understand if there are approaches that impact the learning of reading and spelling in the normal case, but that also would be relevant in the case of uh, individuals who are experiencing difficulties. Well, I certainly remember back in the 1970s, not to date myself, seeing the calligraphy and the writing charts on the wall above the blackboard and spending many hours just practicing a loop and connecting letters and learning how to write and cursive. But you can't really do that now with adults in this study. So how do you recreate this seminal element of child's education to actually do research about it? We didn't work with children in this study, but in order to get as close as possible to recreating that particular situation, we worked with adults with letters that they were unfamiliar with and in a script that is really rather different than the Roman script that, you know, we are used to using. So we used Arabic letters. And so that's the way we replicated in adults as close as possible the situation that children find themselves in. Yeah. So first of all, I should say the individuals in our study, none of them had any previous experience with Arabic. So it was all new to them. And then what we did was one group of them learned the letters, uh, the names and the sounds of the letters while practicing handwriting. A second group had to learn the names and the sounds just by doing visual study of the letters. And the third group had to learn them uh, while learning to memorize the layout on a keyboard so that they could type the letters on a keyboard with the Arabic letters on it. And they were trained these letters through a video. So they had actually a video to watch where they saw sort of an animation as though they were seeing the letter written on the screen while they were hearing the name and the sound. You know, I mentioned that I was a high school teacher. I taught Arabic before. And 
I actually wish that I had had these videos. I'd come up with this type of experiment at the time because it was a much easier way to actually teach people these letters. It was 20 letters, 34 different shapes, because Arabic has different shapes for the same letters. Um, they were able to learn them in relatively very little time, you know, four hours, five hours, six hours, they learn all these shapes that normally a teacher might spend four weeks, six weeks teaching to the students. So sort of this intense training, watch these videos of these animations, try to memorize the name of the sound while you're either copying them on pen and paper by hand, trying to type them on a keyboard, or just visually studying them, trying to memorize them, commit them to your memory. We kept testing them on a multiple choice test to see, can they now recognize these letters? Are they memorizing the, what they look like? Can they map between the name and the sound? Sort of passively, you know, like in a multiple choice test. Once they all got really good at that, that's where we were able to go in and say, okay, you all can recognize these letters now, but can you read words? Can you spell words, including things you've never seen before to dictation? Can you name them, even though we haven't been testing you on your ability to name them orally? We did them on all these other different types of tasks. And that's where we found that across the board, really, the individuals who had had that handwriting practice were doing the best. They weren't just better at handwriting. It's not just that they had better, they certainly did have better handwriting, but they were faster to recognize the letters. They could name them more reliably. They even tended to be better to spell words to dictation or to read a word up to a six letter word that they had never seen before. They were better at all of these tasks. So what were you looking for in this particular bit of research? What were you actually diving in to find out? Yeah, I think that um, what we set out to understand is what are ways that optimize literacy, reading and spelling, or the learning of literacy, acquiring literacy? You know, people have looked at the role of motor practice, forming letters, you know, as a way of um, optimizing literacy, of a way of speeding up learning of letters. And so we wanted to set out and see if the evidence that people had reported is really robust. There were some, you know, as all studies have some, you know, weaknesses, some things they're not able to address. So we wanted to go back and um, address some of the shortcomings of previous studies that seem to suggest that writing letters actually helps you learn how to recognize them and read them and use them and all kinds of, you know, context. So we wanted to address some of those previous, you know, shortcomings. And then we wanted to take a little further the previous research to understand what impact does writing letters have, not just on handwriting, because we, you know, we're not surprised if practicing writing, you know, gives you better handwriting, but what impact does it have actually on the mental representations, on the kind of knowledge that you have of letters? So how does practicing writing have an impact on all those other aspects of literacy is what we wanted to understand. So let's go to the big question. What did this research reveal? What did it tell us that we didn't know before about writing literacy language? I think that it is helpful to think of the results of sort of in two categories. So one set of results has to do with how participants performed on letter-based tasks that they didn't actually train on. So those are these set of tasks. We call them generalization tasks. How well did the experience they had in learning generalized to these other literacy tasks. So the saying letter names, writing letters, reading words, spelling words. So there's one set of results um, regarding that. And the results there are very clear, as Bob said, the group that practiced in writing, they learned the letters faster, but they also, importantly, they were better on all of these other tasks than the other two groups. The other set of results, equally stunning, and in some ways, certainly equally important, is 
what they learned in terms of their mental representations of letters, right? So not just how they performed on tasks, but what were they mentally representing about letters? Letters seem like very simple things, um, but they actually have many different dimensions. So a letter has a visual shape, it has a sound, it has a name, it has a motor plan that you use when you write the letter, you may learn where to, how to you know, configure your hands to type it. So there are many things, many pieces of knowledge that we have associated with letters. And one notion is that to unify all these things that we know about any given letter, we have kind of like a hub, if you wish, or an abstract representation of the letter. And all these very modality specific things are connected to this abstract symbol. So we have a symbolic representation of A, which is then linked to the sound of A, the, the name of A, the shape of A, et cetera. And it's these abstract symbols of letters that is really what's very powerful about um, written language and about becoming literate. And it's these abstract representations of letters that we were able to show are learned much more strongly in the group that does the writing practice. Okay, and hopefully you can see how that's kind of a different kind of result than performance on various literacy tasks. Both of those things are very important, they're very novel, and, the, and both sets of results were very strong. Does this tell us anything relevant in the world today? So with the drifting away from the practice of writing and even typing, are we setting ourselves up for some sort of disadvantage for certain people? we don't have evidence of significant and lasting impact on people's literacy, you know, depending on how they learned letters. So we can't say that, oh, if you don't include handwriting in your letter learning, you will have the following disadvantages, you know, X, Y, and Z. So what we can conclude is that there are certainly advantages in terms of learning in this way. Maybe those you could get those advantages learning in some other way as well. And maybe, um, the advantages are relatively, in the, in the large scheme of things, maybe they're relatively modest and won't have an impact on your productivity at work or the, you know, your, you know, enjoyment of reading. So we're not making large claims like that because we simply don't have the basis for that. But in terms of effectiveness of learning and the depth of learning, this seems to be a really, you know, evidence-supported approach to learning in terms of providing benefits of learning. You know, I think we don't want to leave out that the fact that written languages developed in tandem. It wasn't as though individuals were developing reading systems without writing systems. And we know there's good historical work that has shown that a lot about the shapes of the, the letters we have, whether that's Roman letters, Arabic letters, Chinese characters, those shapes were very much influenced by how they were originally written, whether they were written by a brush, whether they were chiseled into stone, they played a role there. And so these things have developed in a sort of, you know, unconstrained, natural way, but in tandem. And writing has always been part of, of the program for learning to read up until more recently. It's only with more recent technologies that we have alternatives. But previously, as you, know, you yourself were saying, when you were a child learning how to read, you were also learning how to write. These things weren't done separately. And so whether or not you know, there will be a strong disadvantage if you're not learning that way, we can't really say that. But I think we can quite strongly say both that there are good indications that there are advantages in terms of efficiency or optimizing to learning by handwriting, and that qualitatively, the way you may come to perceive letters, the way you may think about them, may be very different if you don't have that writing experience. Well, it's always good to have new questions to explore. This has been Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science. I've been speaking with Robert Wiley and Brenda Rapp. Thank you both for joining me.
Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having us. And I guess the last thing I'd want to say is that I think the the that it's too soon to put away uh, writing as an approach to literacy acquisition. So I think handwriting is uh, still something that we should uh, continue to consider, at least unless we have more evidence that it's not the case, that it's useful. Well, I need to go actually send a thank you note. So I will uh, break out my pen and paper and uh, get a little bit of practice in right now. There you go. Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you. Excellent. You can read more about this and other topics on our website, psychologicalscience.org. If you're interested in sponsoring under the cortex, please contact news at psychologicalscience.org.